As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I take a look at my life and realize there's nothing left. Cause I've been blasting and laughing so long that even my mama thinks that my mind is gone. But I ain't never crossed a man that didn't deserve it. Me be treated like a punk, you know that's unheard of. You better watch how you're talking and where you're walking. Or you and your homies might be lying in chalk. I really hate the trip, but I gotta lope. As they croak, I see myself in the pistol smoke, fool. I'm the kind of G the little homies wanna be like on my knees in the night, saying prayers in the street light. situation they got me facing i can't live a normal life i was raised by the state so i gotta be there with the hood team too much television watching got me chasing hello again and welcome to another episode of the retro wrestling podcast i'm intern alex joined as always by the one and only the greatest referee in professional wrestling history patrick young and patrick here we are the middle of september summer is coming to a close what is happening in the world of professional wrestling well, the biggest story is I am one of the lucky 100 to go to NWA Atlanta. Congratulations, yes. NWA going to the GPB studios to tape some wrestling shows, as uh, old NWA fans would probably call it. And they put tickets on sale. They had some of the uh, VIP tickets, which you were able to get one. Yes. Where you get to hang out with Magnus and uh, Billy Corgan. Yeah. And uh, this, you're hoping this is your big break right here, is is to meet Billy Corgan. And well, absolutely. I mean, for me, the NWA, that's bigger than WWE in my book. Because, personally, the NWA is the end-all, be-all for me. I just love everything and, about it. And to be taping in Atlanta is just perfect. Now, are you going to both dates? Isn't no, it? I'm going to the 30th, the very okay. first one. I thought they were... But they are there for two days, though, the right? The 30th and the 1st. Okay, yeah. The uh, tickets have been selling pretty well, though. I saw that they added some more GA seats for yeah. it. So, But it's a small venue, so it wasn't like they're going to fill well, up. Here's the way I look at it. The, as a fan, stepping out of the ring for me as a fan, to be able to go to a live TV taping broadcast in a TV studio... It's like stepping back in time. It's like nostalgia. Yeah, like those old Saturday nights. Nostalgia, you know, smacking you in the face. It's And it's NWA. It's in Atlanta. To me, it's just like, you know, the four horsemen talking trash about Dusty Rhodes and just the Road Warriors calling out Nikita and Ivan Koloff. Like, it's just, it's that whole, I don't It's it's just that, that whole historical factor alone was why for me not necessarily a you know referee wrestler whatever uh for me fan side i had to take a step back and be like dude i want to be a part of this even if i'm not performing i want to fucking be there because this is huge because it's just like i said it's a step back in history but with a different curve and so yeah no it's going to be awesome yeah, I'll include uh, the clip that Billy Corgan put out talking about the taping because 
Uh, this week's review, there were no real promos really given, so I'm not going to have a lot of clips to put in the show. I so, wouldn't know about it. Yeah, we'll talk about that right before the review. But Billy Corgan talks about the taping and how it is going to resemble those old classic Saturday night tapings where pretty dark room, little set to do interviews on, but the interview set is right there and the ring's right there. Yeah. You get through a few tapings, the same audience... Just uh, knock a few out. Well, one could argue that this is the most exciting time for professional wrestling probably since the 1970s. You have a lot of independent people in the marketplace, the NWA included, trying to basically carve up a new pie, sort of an unprecedented uh, access to the audience the audience having a bigger say in what's happening within professional wrestling than ever before, and of course the talent themselves having more say over their own individual careers. The NWA Championship is taken seriously again. People from around the world want to face the champion, of course in this case, Nick Aldis. There's nowhere else in this business you'll find greater passion, greater intensity, greater courage, greater commitment, greater sheer guts. This is the NWA. One of the biggest issues professional wrestling faces at the highest levels is production, which is kind of a boring subject. And because of the success of the major companies over the last 20 or 30 years, the audience has gotten really used to really, really big looks. The professional wrestling I grew up on was really more about the personalities being sort of locked in a pressure cooker of a television studio that made you want to go see the big shows. It's one thing to say you're rebooting the NWA. It's another thing to run matches on somebody else's stage. And we're very grateful to those people that shared our stage with us, most recently the uh, Ring of Honor, which is an incredible opportunity. But now it's our time to step forward. It's time to bring the NWE back into the spotlight and run on its own oxygen. And so we're very excited to announce that in October, in Atlanta, we will be doing our own television again. When you go to the bank with those pockets hanging out. I know you've got to be laying there. You've got to be losing sleep. The absolute top of the mountain, the ultimate in professional wrestling has become the heavyweight champion. World heavyweight wrestling champion, Harley Race. I think you've gotten about uh, three inches taller than verbal technicalities. Whoopee. No, I see the same size, seven feet four. Breathe some fresh air after being in a place like this. Oh. Feel the pilot McAdree Dusty Rose goes inside of it. And Ric Flair. You have a man that's recognized as the greatest wrestler and the greatest heavyweight champion of all time. I want you worse than I've ever wanted any human being on the face of the earth. And I'm going to have you, I'm going to show you that those pumped up muscles aren't what it takes to be champion. The thing that sticks out in my mind about studio wrestling, particularly in the 1970s and the 1980s, was anything could really happen. You had people getting up very early in the morning, uh, Saturday morning kids television, and you know it had a real feeling of chaos and anarchy, and I think that really sold to me uh, as a fan um, that there was an element of danger and there was an element of uh, anything can happen, and I really want to bring that back uh, to professional wrestling, and I think the NWA is the perfect vehicle to do that. I think if you're a talent and you're interested in the NWA product and you're interested in being on NWA television as we go forward, here's what you need to know. 
If you're truly a talented person and you can make people care about you, if you're truly a talented person and you can wrestle a match that will make people want to see and pay to see you again, that is what the NWA television product is going to be. You will have every opportunity to reach people. Just like those wrestlers of my time reached me, you will have that same opportunity. We will be unscripted, uncensored, and really in your face in a way that no wrestling promotion has been in your face in a very long time. Well, and the biggest thing uh, for me is, I found out as soon as everybody else did, but my buddy, the legend himself, Jim Cornette, is going to be doing color. So I'm excited to catch up with Jim. It's been about a year, and so it'll be awesome. That'll, I mean, that's just going to be great in itself. I think we said it on our last uh, broadcast of Retro Wrestling Podcast, but Jim Cornette was awesome on NWA 70. Yes. And, and the road, those videos, the road to NWA 70, he was great on the uh, Viceland series, uh, Beyond the Ring or whatever it was called, The Dark Side of the Ring. Yeah. Those interviews, like, when he is not ranting and raving, when he is focused on a subject, he is an amazing amazing orator i see as of right now you have michael cole as the voice for wwe but you have you know jr as the cult as the voice for AEW. but i i man the voice for the nwa i believe this isn't a one-off i believe it's going to be jim Cornette, which is going to be huge well as long as the nwa doesn't try to go to Canada because Cornette can't go to Canada. Yeah. That, that's the problem that I think Cornette has found with getting a regular gig at doing commentary. Well, he's had his podcast for a long time. And, yeah. I mean, he he's done enough in pro wrestling. He doesn't want to be on the road all year and doing all that stuff. But he can get a job like this where he can do a few tapings. And, I mean, it's been years since he worked with TNA. But when you do tapings like this, it's, it's much easier than going on the road with a touring company. But... If they ever do start touring, I hope that he sticks with them and, and they do regular TV because I think he's great to listen to. Even if I don't always agree with, with what he says, but yeah. I think he's he's a really great commentator. Very underrated. Uh, for a couple of months there, he did Raw with Jim Ross back in the late 90s, the Attitude Era, and he was the main guy on Shotgun Saturday Night, and I yes. thought he was exceptional even then. Very underrated. A very different kind of uh, color guy than Jerry the King Lawler. Right. I loved his, uh, on Monday Night Raw, his bite this or whatever, where he, he just... Oh, his segments where he would shoot on... he just shoot on wrestling as itself right then. and Oh, he hated sports entertainment, yeah. And it, dude, it was legendary. He's talking about, you know, the Starcade that you had... And people calling themselves icons. Yeah, and, and you're yeah, and people, you know, he's talking about Hogan and Piper main event in Starcade and Starcade's, you know, the first, you know, four or five aisles deep and in, in the fans were just passing out because these guys were sucking as much wind as possible. Just dude, Jim Cornette is is a legend in wrestling already. Those were really neat segments because in today's WWE they would certainly never allow someone to just go and shoot for a couple minutes. Yeah, because he even knocked WWE. It oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He would knock the performers in the WWE yeah. in the way it was presented. Yeah. <laughs> His own company. He so. was as... It was as... It was the first shoot interview I could you could possibly call it. You know, it was... 
Yeah, I mean, presented especially at a time when kayfabe still wasn't completely shattered. And, yeah. and so, yeah, that was kind of eye-opening, really. Yeah. And at the time, I didn't appreciate it as much as I do looking back at it. Uh, at the time, I was like, this is kind of weird. He, here he is saying, Ric Flair's the the only icon in the business. He doesn't work for the company. What yeah. is this all about? Like, And then knocking Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels and stuff. But he was pretty fed up with Bret and Shawn, so this was his way of venting as he had to break apart fights and retrieve chunks of hair in the back of the <laughs> two of them so uh yeah so that'll that'll be fun to have jim Cornette there that a few years ago when we went to that show in uh rome georgia and he had that little q a or whatever i could have just sat there the rest i mean he wanted to keep going i would have yeah. just sat there and listened to him he did he wanted to keep going and i was prepping to get ready for the show and i even in my gear was not missing that Q and A and went in there with you. We sat in, in the very back. I don't think you know we kind of snuck in right when it started and snuck out right when it was ending. Um, but even you know being in the business, you can call it fan side of me. I was like, Fuck, I want to learn from the master, and went on to have a great match that he was a part of later that night. That's right. You nearly broke his glasses. I nearly, I nearly based, I was sliding in for a three count and I didn't realize he was there and almost baseball slide right into Jim Cornette and took him out. So yeah, yeah, we were, we were inches, we're inches away (laughs) and he had to jump. It was quite hilarious. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was really cool, uh, and I've gone on to do so much more. So what it. are the dates for those tapings? The 30th and the 1st. Of October? No, of September. Oh, of September, so the end of this month. September so here in 30th. a few weeks, you'll have a report back on yes, and an exclusive. I, I will be sending... Now, are you going to spoil the tapings for everybody? I won't spoil the tapings, but I will take pictures. I will send... I bet you they don't let you take pictures if they want to try to keep... If it's like a TV show and they don't want spoilers, I, I mean, they can't tell you. I mean, spoilers are going to get well, out. Well, even before it starts, I, I'll take a picture oh, okay. of like the ring and the set itself and put it on our, our Facebook, and then you can transfer it over to our Twitter, and and I'm still learning how to fucking work Twitter. Oh, yeah. And, By so. the way, so on our last show, you said you had a Twitter account, but I never actually got your Twitter handle, so what is your Twitter okay, handle? Okay, you... Oh, well, let's just... What is your Twitter handle? Because we never got that last We week. never got... We were still working on it. What is my Twitter handle? Sir, help Help me figure out... Okay. Help me figure out what my Twitter handle is here, sir. I want to change that. Okay, yeah. You're, you're going to want to change that. Cause how, how do you change it? All right. Let's... Settings privacy account username. Okay, let's see if we can do. Does that change my name as a whole? No. Okay, you can find Patrick Young on Twitter at ref Patrick Young. So there you go. Very easy Twitter handle to remember. Yeah. And I'm I'm glad it was available because I was really worried there there's some other referee out there with your name. So. Well, I might just have to go back and make it world's greatest ref. Patrick Young. I world's greatest. That's actually too many characters for Twitter. Oh, really? Yeah, there's a character limit on your username in Twitter, as I found out when I tried to do the Retro Wrestling Podcast Twitter handle, because I wanted it to be at Retro Wrestling Podcast, but that's too many characters, so I had to change it to Retro W Podcast because there was already a W 
There was already a RWP podcast. There was already a re- at Retro Wrestling account. There was there was nothing else available, and so I, I should have really researched that before I actually named our podcast that. So um, yeah, so you're at Ref Patrick Young, and so I will retweet your username out to our Twitter fans right now while I'm thinking about it. Savon from New Jersey actually was inquiring about what your Twitter handle was. Well, yeah, at Ref Patrick Young. There you go. And Savon, hop on here, and I will, once I figure this thing out, I will even retweet you on Twitter. You can be my first retweet because I haven't yet to really post anything. I have strictly done just the uh, Arn Anderson deal and talking about NWA Atlanta the new women's belt and the history moment of the great Muda winning the belt so of NWA back on September 3rd so that's it I have not I've yet to actually make a personal tweet so I, I need to I need to do that I, you know what here we go we're going to personal tweet it right here and now all right so twitter.com slash ref Patrick Young to see if Patrick is using Twitter. He's very new to this platform. This platform's been around for about a decade uh, or so, a little bit more, and now Patrick has finally uh, made the jump. So there you go. Well, here you go. My first tweet, we're doing it live. My actual tweet, tweet. Here we go. What do you have to say to the The world's people? greatest ref, Patrick Young, is officially learning Twitter. And tweet. Boom. Stop. Wow. History was just History made. just made. There you go. Can't get any bigger than that. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm learning this whole stuff. I found a lot of old school uh, wrestling videos and stuff on Twitter. There's a lot of wrestling shit on Twitter that is not accessible on Facebook, which I was not aware of. No, that's true. And and the best way to set up a a Twitter page where you just want wrestling stuff is to follow like follow wrestling fans and follow wrestling. Follow wrestler accounts and then go to their accounts and see who follows them and try to pick out, you know, profiles that say fan of WWE or whatever, and you'll get a lot of good content. You'll stay away from stuff like uh, politics or news or stuff that you don't really have any interest in. So that's one thing I really do enjoy about the Retro Wrestling Podcast Twitter is that when I log on, it's pretty much 100% dedicated to pro wrestling, so I get to catch up on today's news some news that hasn't even hit the uh the dirt sheet web pages yet so um that's what i really yeah i follow strictly wrestling people and wrestling fans and so um, drake maverick posted a picture of the title over his wife's face so there you go anyway yeah back to big news but no it's great and so there you go ref patrick young at Twitter. Yeah, so when you go down to those tapings at Georgia Public Television, I expect you to post some pictures to Twitter as well. I will. You've got to fix a way for me to get onto our Twitter page as well. I'll just retweet you. Deal. I think it's going to be great, especially just getting to hang out with Jim. Uh, we may go grab dinner later that night. It's. I think it's going to be a historical moment and a historical part in time that wrestling fans... If you live... Don't go to Dairy Queen. 
No, hell no. If you lived in Japan, though, I mean, I consider this to be one of those things that you fly around the world for. This is, it is that massive of an opportunity. And so I hope it, you know, I hope it goes great. And I'm going to be a part of it. I'm going to root it on. I'm going to help in any way I can. I'm all in, coin the phrase from AEW, but I'm all in. So you know who's not all in? Who's that, Pastor? Big Cass, who was uh, transported to a local facility for future observation. As Big Cass was at a wrestling show, him and Joe Janela had words. Uh, fans happened to overhear these words, got a little scared, and proceeded to call 911. There's just rumors that there. one of the words was he was going to shoot him, uh, others were said that he was going to shoot on him and that it was a, which is a wrestling terminology, I'm sure everybody knows, and uh, that they just heard shoot and thought they were he was going to kill Joey Janela. So, but I don't know. At the point in time in which he was handcuffed and sat down in front of a tree, uh, he perceived to go on and say he needed help and that he really was going to hurt himself. He couldn't live any longer, things like that. And so he was transported to a local facility to undergo observations. And uh, we, we talked about wrestling and mental illness. And Oh, yeah, we've seen it with uh, wrestlers like Just Incredible and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, he's talked about, yeah, having anxiety issues. He even had a, a seizure. Um, a few months back and so he's had health and mental health issues and uh, he's been trying to get sober and uh, even reached out to Diamond Dallas Page to help him out and this was at a WrestlePro show where he was an unannounced he was going to be a special guest in a battle royal and uh, backstage was acting aggressive and erratic over the course of the evening and then confronted Joey Janela who Oddly enough, had been in a locker room with Big Cass the night before and had no problems, but uh, this night was different. And also, there was something that he couldn't find his sweater and was convinced that someone stole his sweater or something. There was some article of clothing that was he thought was missing, and yeah, he uh, had some choice words for Joey Janela, threatened him, but then uh, the police said, Hey, Joey Janela, would you like to press charges? He said, No, nah, I just need some help. And they set him down outside to cool off and then took him to a hospital. So, um, big cast uh, going through some tough times. Yeah. Despite a few weeks ago, we were talking about the rumor that he might actually show up on NXT. It doesn't look like that's going to be happening. But yeah. the best for big cast, Colin Cassidy, he's still a very, very young guy. So he's his career is far from done. And very relevant. Uh, nothing against Enzo, but... I mean, when you're seven foot tall and can move the way he does, he's a very big catch in professional wrestling. Yeah, if he can get his act together. If he can get his act together. That's yeah. exactly right. And so, but we wish him well, man. Get all the help you can. Get straight and get get back on the right path. A person that isn't on the right path and a person that if I ever find, probably will beat the shit out of him myself. Josh Bodum. I think it's how you pronounce his name. He proceeded to get angry at a ref at a live show when Josh did not kick out of the three count. 
Josh then went on to grab uh, the ref. I forgot his name. You're looking it up now. Yeah, the ref went by uh, Aaron Wild. Aaron Wild. He went on to grab Aaron Wild, and uh, he proceeded to beat the shit out of him. Literally. Unscripted. Beat the shit out of him. At which point in time, he left him in uh, a really bad state. And now, Aaron is not able to actually be a referee anymore and his real job was refereeing football on the side and so now he's not able to do that either yeah the video of it's just awful he uh yeah josh bodum whoever the fuck he is uh he just snapped and then did this which is first of all that's not something that you do second of all you, you know you didn't kick out that's on you that's not on anybody else. Third of all, and it's one you brought up, he was set to lose anyway. So it's not like it changed the outcome. So what the hell are you snapping about? And you have nothing to snap about because you didn't kick out. So I have serious issues with Josh and I hope nobody books him. I hope he is not used in professional wrestling again. And if he ever is, uh, those people need to be shut down or have their shows took from them. Because that that's a horrific... This man has left a man, a father, unable to provide for his family because you wanted to snap in the middle of a wrestling show. And that's not cool. Oh, yeah, and it's a really bad look for RevPro because uh, after the incident, they didn't actually pay the ref. It wasn't until uh, the ref did the long Twitter uh, blog, basically, talking about the incident that they actually finally paid him for his night of work uh, at RevPro. And then also, there was some rumors that uh, Bodum was actually going to be retained by RevPro because there were some messages that screenshots that looked like the owner said it's not a big deal, don't worry about it. It wasn't until the ref started posting about it that there was something done and, and Bodum was terminated. So there was action taken, but and then there's been some rumors that maybe even afterwards they're going to eventually have him back. And I mean, that's just ridiculous. Like, yeah. you, can't, you can't have people doing that. And the if- goal of pro wrestling is to not actually injure each other. That's why it's yeah. Performance art and uh, what is RevPro? What is RevPro is a wrestling organization uh, over in the UK. So his version of a football ref is he's a soccer ref since it's over in the UK. He's a he referees soccer as well as professional wrestling. Yeah. So that's his. Okay. Now that I have cleared that up because I was not aware that this was in the UK. But RevPro major promotion over there for. Uh, Indies. I mean, a lot of guys come through there, and uh, well, so it's just a bad look. He, they need to be shut down if they're going to ever actually have him come back. You can't have, you no. can't have that. I mean, no. That's e- just... even, even in the WWE, that when Perry Saturn shot on that guy, that was the end of Perry Saturn in the WWE. So, oh, I didn't know he shot on somebody. Oh, you've never seen that video? No. Oh, it's awful, man! It was a, it was, it was either a dark match or it was for heat. I'll, I'll find it and like, 
send it to you on Facebook. Okay. But yeah, if Rev Pro ever does proceed to keep going with, with him or with anything like that, then something needs to be done. I think the the fans and the locker rooms around the world need to step up and say uh, no and protest it and basically put them out of business because that's that's not okay. And the fact that you're saying it, that it is okay in tweet in uh, text messages and why you you're going on to say that um, oh no it's not a big deal don't worry about it. it is a big deal you severely hurt someone to the point of unable to provide for their family well you facilitated an assault is what yeah. you did I mean and also what makes that video so disgusting too is that this guy's getting beat and you don't see security you don't see people running over there to break it up, Bowden's tag team partner actually kind of protected the ref for a second by doing a work scoop slam to try to to break it up, to try to just stop it for a second. But, you know, it should have been broken up. It should have been broken up by the security, the owner, yeah. whoever's there, whoever's in charge, the booker if he has to run out there. You can't let people just shoot on, on each other in professional wrestling. This isn't an MMA ring. That referee didn't sign up to be in a real fight that night that referee signed up to make twenty dollars or whatever it is and go home you know so uh you you can't you can't have that and no that's not gonna fly in any level of professional wrestling that's that's not gonna fly so yeah no not at all it's uh and also and and like you said it didn't change the outcome of the match all it did was in the match five minutes earlier than it was supposed to and that guy was so mad about that that's just ridiculous. And because it's, and it's his fault. That's the worst part about it. Because you're taught to finish the count. You, yeah, I'm not, and I'm telling you right now, I don't pull counts. Referees, people that I train that are referees, I tell them do not pull counts. One, two, three. If they don't kick out, it's their problem. It's their fault. That's on you. It's not hard to count to three. It's not hard and, uh, to even lift a shoulder. I'm not saying you got to sell the shit out of the kickout. Just lift a fucking shoulder. Right. Just enough so the fans can tell, hey, he, you know. And this ref, knowing that the finish of the match was going to have that team losing, probably just thought, okay, they're going home early for whatever yeah. reason. Yeah. I'll just count it. So, especially if it doesn't change the booking, because you have seen refs pull the count when it's going against the booking of a match. Yeah. And that I understand because that's coming that you're changing the entire story. Yeah. But when you're not changing the story, you definitely are going to just count the three. Yeah. So Yokozuna and Bret Hart were supposed to go five minutes longer, but the ref, the ref did the finish when it was time to do the finish because it didn't change the outcome of the match. Yeah. Bret Hart was still going to lose to Yokozuna and that was the end of it. So it wasn't like... But if it was the other way around and it looked like Bret Hart was going to win, you know, the ref wasn't going to ring the bell when Yokozuna was in the sharpshooter. So it's it's a judgment call. But yeah, refs, for wrestlers, if you can't count to three and lift a shoulder, or if you're actually knocked unconscious or something, then the ref should be able to spot that too. Yeah. There's no excuse for not kicking out when you're supposed to. Right. Yeah, this this Josh Bodum or whatever, you know, he, he better not come around me. Let's just put it that way. Because I'll have a few choice words for him as well. Uh, it's sickening and it's disgusting. Uh, moving forward, though, there are rumors 
that Michael Cole and Corey Graves are going to go specifically to SmackDown for the re- or for the launch rather of SmackDown on Fox. It's been highly rumored that when SmackDown goes to Fox, the big shakeup in the WWE uh, basically is when SmackDown moves nights and goes to Fridays where they used to be. And Monday stays on Monday, of course, Monday Night Raw. They are going to go back to the two-man booth, apparently. It's widely rumored that Vic Joseph is going to become the lead man on Monday Night Raw, and Michael Cole is going to go to SmackDown. So on SmackDown, so on SmackDown, the plan, they're going to shake up all the commentators. So Cole and Renee Young are rumored to be the SmackDown team, and Vic Joseph and Corey Graves will be the Raw team. So a lot of shakeups happening. Also, the 205 Live, if they continue with that show, that's still up in the air if that continues. But since NXT is going live on Wednesday nights, that means Nigel McGuinness can't be on 205 Live anymore. So he's now part of the NXT team permanently. And also going forward, if NXT starts touring, I don't know if that means that Mauro Ronaldo is going to be a part of it because I think part of his deal is he likes doing the show from Florida. I don't even know if he's going to continue to be on the weekly show because not only the commentary team, Patrick, is all going to be shaken up across the now three brands of WWE that are on television, but also we're going to have another draft. Another draft is happening in October. Um, So many, many changes coming our way here. This is the last month before everything gets turned upside down. Plus, you have AEW coming along. So, October going to be a very eventful month. October 2019 is a very big month in the world of professional wrestling. The WWE Draft is going to take place on October 11th on SmackDown, and then on October 14th on Raw. And they're going to bring back legends to make the picks. They're going to use people from Fox... And they're going to use people from NBC Universal. So you're going to have like Jimmy Fallon making a pick on Raw, and you're going to have like Tim Allen making a pick on Fox and stuff like that. So uh, that's what you have to look forward to in the draft. Now, we say, oh, there's a draft coming, brand separation. Will they stick to it? No. Hell no. Right. And if the ratings start going down, you're definitely going to see people being moved around. Yeah. Because they've shown no adherence to sticking to brand splits. Even going back to the original brand split in 2002, it was weeks into it and we're switching people back and forth. So yeah. uh, we'll see. Uh, this is more of a... I think this is actually more of a ratings grab, really, because this will be... It'll be their second week on Fox. So it's a good... The first episode, you expect to have a big viewership, but to retain that viewership the next week, so it's a gimmick, I think. It's a gimmick more so than sort of a oh, game-changing draft. Are so. we... Uh, I'm rolling the dice here. Are we, yes or no, getting The Rock on the very first SmackDown on Fox? <sighs> Let's see where they are booked to be. I'm going to go with yes, because, I mean, the the Rock, the Rock is SmackDown. He, the show was created for him. I highly suspect that, yes, they will... I highly suspect The Rock 
could be there because it's going to be in Los Angeles. They've already advertised Flair, Hogan, Sting, Angle. So we've already probably Austin. Austin seems to be appearing every week now. So Austin's here to wrestle. He's back to work. Which is fucking awesome, by the way. They need shit like that to unfortunately they they gotta finish grabbing the rest of the rest of the fans. Thank and he lives out in California. Austin does, so Exactly. Um yeah, the Broken Skull Ranch. Even before SmackDown airs on October fourth, the debut SmackDown on Fox, Fox is gonna air a SmackDown's greatest hits show the Friday before that, so a little uh a little preview before the show actually gets there. So the the deal with Fox is going to start a week earlier than uh, basically. I mean, it's going to be a, a clip show. But it's highlights, but yeah. still. That's what's taking place with SmackDown and Raw going forward. Big shakeups in the commentary team coming. Uh, the FS1 uh, show has been announced as far as who's going to be hosting it. It's Renee Young and Booker T., on some sort of panel show, but a WWE panel show, so not. It will be in the world of kayfabe, so and highly scripted. So, I wonder how long that. Show so I got a feeling it's going to be a, a wrestling version of Sports Center. Yes, directed strictly in kayfabe. Right, and only dealing with WWE. The wrestling world doesn't exist outside of WWE. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, in their eyes. And so we'll see how long that lasts, actually, because I just, I don't know the audience for that, because we've discussed it before. Bring It to the Table is one of the worst shows the network has ever done. And if it's in that style, where you have people just shilling for the company, uh, no one wants to watch that. It needs to be a, we talked about Cornette, it needs to be shoot like that. It needs to be that way. Because you put people on the hot seat and you say, listen, you fucking dropped the ball. You fucking dropped the ball during this match. Or you're not getting anywhere and here's why. That lights a candle under people's ass and it's like, alright, people are seeing that I'm screwing up here. I gotta get going. So it needs to be legit. And it does need to involve everyone else. Imagine the fact that you have a wide open base. FS1 is picked up, even if you don't have cable cable, you have your general basic package that you get for free. FS1 is on that package. So you're getting a chance to reach everyone and talk shit about AEW. Talk shit about NWA. What well, they can't they're not there to answer back. It needs to be a cornet sheet style. If it was just a show about wrestling in general with WWE being the main focus and not having anything off limits, it would be a, a fine show. Yeah. It would be a tremendous show, but it's we know it's not going to yeah, be like that. Yeah, it's probably not going to be that way. Now, we've talked about Raw and SmackDown, the two major brands, but NXT, by the time you're hearing this, it might have already debuted on USA. Now, what they haven't told you, though, is that the first two weeks of it aren't going to be the two-hour show. They're going to show one hour on USA and then one hour on the network because... USA has this show called Suits, and this is the final season of it. And they've got two more episodes to burn off. So 
the first two weeks of NXT on USA, halfway through the show, they're going to say, hey, turn on the network. <laughs> so I just think that's really weird that they went ahead and did that just because it doesn't... What does that exactly do? Why not just... Because the week the AEW starts, that October 2nd date, uh, the the night NXT gets its full two hours, why not just save it for that and yeah. hype that instead of doing this half-assed you know, preview? But... That's something they haven't really even promoted NXT coming to USA that I much. I think it's I think it's a really it's a bad move for WWE. Getting fifty million dollars though for it because they were doing it for free uh, is a positive move. They, the bottom line for WWE is money. It's yeah. not it's not the quality of their content. It's not the quality of their matches. It's not the fan experience. It's their 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 bottom line and getting fifty million dollars for it is a win in their in their eyes. Now, is it going to be good for NXT? I don't know because a lot of like we've discussed, a lot of those people that were in developmental that aren't ready for TV, they're not going to be on TV where you could put them on the network and you could let them go out there and flounder yeah. because what the hell? It's it's a free show. We're not it, nothing's expected of it. You don't have people to answer to except WWE and now you also have a ratings book coming yeah. out after October 2nd where, how did we do against AEW this week? What are we doing Oh, wrong? that's what I'm saying. If you were putting SmackDown or Raw up against them, you stand a chance. I'm not knocking NXT. I'm really not. But as much steam and momentum as AEW has right now, they, they can't compete. Well, and also being from full sale and not being on the road in front of 10,000 people, being in front of 1,000 people, now it's the impact zone. And the impact zone, you can get fever-pitched fans in there because a lot of it's friends, family, students at full sale, people that want the product to succeed, and they'll be, they'll be loud, they'll be boisterous, but you get 10,000 people that are just the same way. It just looks better, and it looks yeah. better on TV. Yeah. And... So they're going to, in my opinion, they're going to have to make NXT. They're going to have to take talent from SmackDown and Raw. People like Shinsuke Nakamura, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Finn Balor, guys that have just been struggling. And since the pay is no longer going to be different, since once you're on TV, the old contract system was if you're in NXT, you get paid this much. But if you're on the main roster, you get paid this much. Well, now NXT is the main roster, so there's no pay downside to going to it. Yeah. They're going to have to bring some of those talents over there and that's like I said the 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 develop the developmental wrestlers that aren't ready for prime time are the ones that are going to be hurt from not getting that camera exposure basically. Right. So yeah, you're going to see a lot of changes. I think you're going to see a lot of underutilized wrestlers on the roster come to NXT. And the NXT product's going to change and for diehard fans of NXT that like seeing wrestlers that just got signed from the indies True or that are wrestlers, yeah, or that nineteen-year-old wrestlers or yeah. you know people that are really green and, yeah. and diehard wrestling fans that love that NXT, they might not like the new NXT. Oh yeah, you're about to. It's going to be SmackDown and Raw in a smaller form, right? And it, it's sort of. It's not as bad as WWE's version of ECW, but it's sort of the same kind of connection where I... Oh, you loved ECW from 1995? Well, here's ECW in 2009. Yeah. Not exactly the same. May not 
suit what you want out of right. wrestling, where AEW is going to appeal to those fans more because they're going to put more not ready for primetime players out there and see what they can do. Yeah, it's fifty million dollars though. So. I don't care. You sold one of your major strong points was NXT was that stepping stone. Right. Well, it kind of... And you took that away. Well, the takeovers were never really stepping stones, though, because the takeovers always featured the established Right, but I'm talking about the weekly show. The weekly show, right. That is your stepping stone to getting video stardom, to learning your crap. I mean, Becky Lynch came out as a fucking leprechaun for (laughs) three months or more on NXT before she actually found herself to a degree. Well, yeah, so they can they could tweak with your character. They yeah. could they could do make adjustments. You're not getting that now. Right now it's we're live, pal. You're Psycho yeah. Sid. Yeah. yeah. So, and they're not going to put somebody that no one knows out there cold. Out there cold. Yeah. Cuz it's live TV. The fans don't know you. So it's like And there's only a thousand of them, too. So if they don't know you and you, there's crickets and you're on live TV, that's not good. So you have took that stepping stone away from upcoming talent. Yeah, and they're gonna with a lot of that talent though, they're going to have to redistribute some of them to NXT UK, and they're going to have to and maybe use and as the network evolves and the, we get this tiered system and, and evolve, I think is eventually going to be a part of the network. I think you're going to see a lot of those people end up in evolve, and evolve turns into what NXT was. I, I also feel as if two of five will stay stay afloat strictly as that stepping stone mark. And even if you're a buff dude, two oh five isn't. It's going to change names. It's going to change. I could see them still taping something after SmackDown. But not necessarily cruiserweights because I just I think they're moving the cruiserweights into the main roster as you see with Chad Gable who by the time you're hearing this may or may not be the king of the ring and he's so, not going to <laughs> Baron Corbin King Corbin all hail King Corbin that's what it's going to be yeah so um, a lot of moving parts like we say all the time they've got over 200 contracted wrestlers it's insane there's and this past by the time you're hearing it, this past weekend's we're actually recording on Sunday, but Clash of Champions, the amount of talent left off this card is just craziness. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, you've got guys like Aleister Black, Kevin Owens, who is storyline fired anyway, not on the card. What happens to takeovers? You're putting NXT up there as the main thing, so you've already got Raw and SmackDown people on pay-per-views. You gonna put NXT people with them now? I mean, you're competing. You're comparing them as equals. You can't give NXT its own personal pay per view doing a takeover and not not expect Becky Lynch or Kevin Owens or whatever to come over there and invade, just like they've done with the Raw and SmackDowns as well. Oh, right. You're talking about like the brand split. Like, yeah, it's just a free for all. You never know. It's now. It's Right, because the brand split we both know, Raw and SmackDown, they're still going to go to both shows. Right. We've established that. And so now you add a third show. Now you're adding a third show, it's just going to be the same. And you can't give NXT its own pay-per-view strictly for NXT talent like it was. 
Now it's... Right. Now you're going to be seeing Roman Reigns in NXT TakeOver. <laughs> oh, boy. That might be the end of uh, diehard fans of NXT. And, and I mean, seriously, though, you're if you're going to treat it as an equal... I think they're going to turn into... Because traditionally, they've always been two hours, which I loved. I think they're going to turn into three-hour shows. I think they'll still stay on Saturdays, even though that's now started... AEW runs Saturdays now, too. But, yeah, you're right. There are going to be more matches on there. And they're going to they're gonna look like a regular WWE paper. They're not going to feel special anymore. Right. And they're not going to be special. They're not going to be... I mean, yeah, you're just... You're going to see those guys back hopping around. So, Monday night, you'll see Roman Reigns on Raw. Wednesday night, you'll see Roman Reigns on NXT. <laughs> Friday night, you'll see Roman Reigns on SmackDown. Boy, it's the same fucking shit. And we all know it. You can't deny it. I guarantee you six months in, it's going to be that way. Because Vince has final say, and Vince is going to, well, if we're on TV, bud, we got to get the ratings where we want them. They're equal as Raw and SmackDown. Here we go. Right, yeah. And so NXT, that's why I keep saying it was a bad move. I don't give a damn about $50 million. I mean, yeah, would I like to have $50 million? Hell yeah. But for Triple H to sell out something that he takes so much pride in. I don't think he thought it through completely. I don't think he had a say in it. I mean... And so, I feel like you said, it's going to be ECW 2009 all over again. It's going to flounder if in two years, three at the tops, and... Be back on the network, maybe, or... Well, I don't even think you'll be able to save it then. uh, Moving forward, after complaining about uh, NXT... Moving forward, Impact Wrestling has bought Axis TV. Yes, the parent company that owns Impact Wrestling. Uh, A few years ago, it was a big fallout. This was the thing that Billy Corgan ended up suing about. There was a whole... Impact was on the verge of failing, as they often are. It was about to go under. They needed an investor. Dixie Carter and the Carter family were going to sell it. And Billy Corgan thought that he had invested enough money into it where he had a ownership claim because that's usually what happens when companies go bankrupt that's what happened with ecw is that right before ecw went out of business wwe loaned them a bunch of money and when you go bankrupt or when you're ready to sell that usually gives them the first right of refusal basically so that's how wwe got their tape library so it's about to go under billy corgan throws out all this money but then this company in canada anthem entertainment which runs a a network up there called the Fight Network. They also used to run the podcast and radio show The Law, Live Audio Wrestling, which was one of my favorites. Uh, They decided Impact Wrestling was such an important part of their program lineup, they had to have it, so they bought it. Then Billy Corgan ended up suing them, and it turned into a whole thing. It eventually got settled, and now Corgan is running the NWA, and Anthem owns Impact. And so, after that, Impact struggled to find a home on television because the pop TV deal never paid them any money. Pursuit fucked them over. Destination America, they oh, had yeah. pop. Uh, those didn't pay anything. They didn't do anything. Then they were screwed. They were out of a TV option, so they went to Twitch and they went to the Pursuit channel, which Anthem has a stake in but does not own entirely. So another free place to put your show. But now Anthem bought HDNet Movies and Axis TV, which 
were previously had a large ownership stake by Mark Cuban. He was the big guy that owned those two things. He Man. owns the Dallas Mavericks basketball team. Shark Tank. Shark Tank. Well, he's on Shark Tank, yeah. yeah. Um, so Anthem went ahead and purchased Axis TV, which is uh, a big step for them because Axis in and in a lot more homes in the Pursuit Channel. And it gives them reach in the U.S. where they don't have a large footprint. And so... Axis now is the home of wrestling. I keep saying that, but it's getting so much bigger. Because now, due to the fact of contract, they are going to have to keep showing New Japan. Yeah, they've got New Japan booked uh, through 2021 in a contract. Wow. Yeah, they, they show wow. And now they're going to show Impact all on the same channel. Yeah, wrestling is going to be a almost seven-day-a-week venture for anybody who wants to keep up with it because the rumored time that Impact will be on there is on Tuesday nights. So They'll move, uh, I think, Saturday night's New Japan. Wednesday night was WoW. So you'll move WoW to, like, Thursday... You'll have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I mean, you'll have it. Yeah, and they could even... I mean, they can run Impact as much as they want to. They own it, so it's not going to cost them anything. But they could put that after or before New Japan to yeah. get the lead-in or the the or lead-in to New Japan or whatever they want to do. So, unfortunately, though, this means for those employees at the those TV networks, there's been some downsizing, which... Is unfortunate, which is what happened when they bought Impact. They actually they they fired all the people on live audio wrestling. So it's happened before, and uh, Impact, as as we say all the time, it's amazing. They just they they can't stop. They will not fucking die. <laughs> they won't fucking die, and they have brought back Johnny Swinger, by the way. So he's going to be. The I'm face. so proud of this, my buddy, my friend, my brother in the ring, Johnny Swinger. Swing time himself, ECW legend, WWE wrestler, WCW legend, Johnny Swinger is now coming back to a two-year deal guaranteed on Impact Wrestling. Pretty crazy. They've invested in a lot of older talent lately. It's almost like what they were doing in the mid-2000s, where for a long time it seemed like they would just sign anybody that was from WWE and uh, Ken Shamrock, RVD, Sabu, people getting uh, more uh, more longevity out of their career. It, Rhino is there. Um, Tommy Dreamer shows up and still does House of Hardcore stuff. So yeah, we'll, we'll see what the what the product does. I don't, the, not a lot of people are really talking about Impact, but. Congratulations to Johnny Swinger. Anybody that can get a deal with a, they still are a major wrestling company. I mean, they're not, they're not off TV. They're not some bingo hall <laughs> organization like ECW once was. I mean, they are a legitimate. They are now going to be on a more prominent television uh, partner. So yeah. it's going to be interesting to see where they go from here. And I mean, they still. They have the biggest female star on the planet in Tessa Blanchard right now, so even more so. I think she's more popular than Becky Lynch, to be honest. She's on WoW as well, also. Yeah, so they've got a lot of momentum at the moment, but we'll see. October is a is a big month. Uh, Impact, I think, is going to debut on Axis 
in either late October or November, I think. So they won't be a part of the madness in October. Don't be on Wednesday night. Yeah, Wednesday night seems like a bad night to be uh, on wrestling. Don't don't pull a Monday either. Yeah, Mondays, Fridays, Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays are out. So you got a Tuesday and a Thursday. You better pick wisely. Right. So there you go. Uh, anything else? That's it, brother. You got anything? While we're on the subject of Impact, there were rumors that maybe Ring of Honor could be up for sale, but as I mentioned before, Sinclair just bought... They actually completed the purchase of the regional sports networks from Fox. They, they haven't rebranded them yet. I, I think they're going to wait until after baseball season's over to rebrand them, but they bought like 21 or 22 regional Fox sports networks, so like Fox Sports South is like one of them. The show's Braves games and stuff. And with all these regional sports networks, I think Sinclair's going to want to put Ring of Honor on there to fill time because you're not always going to have live sports to put on there. And so I don't think... And in in general, Sinclair is not a company that sells things. They buy things. They only invest. They never have... Unless the government steps in and tells them to sell something. That's usually when they sell something. So I don't think even if... There's a ton of interest from Impact in buying Ring of Honor. I don't think Sinclair is interested in selling it. Now, the thing about Ring of Honor that I've always been curious about is if Sinclair would be open to the idea of leasing their tape libraries. Same thing with Impact. I don't know why these two companies that have so much talent in WWE and elsewhere, to be quite quite honest... Why don't they license their tape library and get some money out of it? I know Impact has Impact Plus. Yeah. But that's asking a lot of a lot from people to say, give us another $10 if you want to watch old TNA stuff. So why not just license it to WWE for a couple of years? And then if people still want it, they have to come sign up for Impact Plus. Or same thing with Ring of Honor. Oh, you like some of our old shows? From a few years back, I mean, if Axis wants to run Best of Ring of Honor, yeah. I think they would be open to that idea. But I don't think they're going to sell it. Or Best of TNA, I mean... Well, that's something they should be doing anyway. There's actually a channel, there's a, there's a streaming app called Pluto TV, and there's an Impact channel that just shows old, even stuff from the Asylum, just random Asylum shows and stuff. Really? Like yeah. Dusty Roads and... Yeah, I, I tuned in one day and the ICP showed up in, in the Asylum. So, yeah, there's there's a channel that just shows random Pluto. old... Yeah, well, it's a, it's a whole, like... It's basically like a free version of Sling TV, basically, with, like, channels that don't actually exist that are just, like specific to whatever there's like a channel called like dogs 24 7 it's just videos of dogs but but there's also an impact wrestling channel in there for some reason and it's free free yeah it's free you don't have to do anything uh you don't have to pay for it there's commercials in it but yeah like for background noise i can just turn on old tna stuff so um i'm intrigued now i i want to look this so I can get it on my smart TV? I can get it... Yeah, you can get it on uh, smart devices, Fire Sticks, or whatever you've got. You can get it on Roku, Fire Stick, Chromecast, whatever. It's out there. This was your pick this week, Patrick, and you took Michael Vincent's request to do 
ECW Gangsta's Paradise from September 19, 1995 at the ECW Arena in front of 1,175 extremists. Now... It's been a couple weeks because I kept putting it off and putting it off because I could not get it to pull up. You said you were able to watch it with no problem. I, every time, kept getting this thing about the network's not able to find it or... Just some random crap about the network. I took a picture of the message. I sent it to you. We couldn't figure it out. So you got to watch it. However, I did not. So I'm hoping that these little glitches in the network WWE will fix because you already said they're starting to send out patch updates. Yeah, there was an update patch uh, the day before we taped the show that I got on my fire tv stick that said and it even said like to make it bug fixes and stuff so hopefully they're getting some things ironed out as uh it hasn't been a totally smooth rollout of the new version of the network and at first i did compliment them on the improved search feature but now i i hate it again because the search feature the way i use it it actually cuts me off as I'm typing something out. So I was trying to type out Gangsta's Paradise to find this thing. So I type out Gangsta without the A, and it cuts off, and, and it shows me what it found for that. So then I have to go back up and finish Gangsta, and then search, and then finish. It's really annoying. Yeah. There's some really annoying things about the network, but saying that, I think it will improve. They've already upscaled the stuff to 1080p HD instead of 720. I'm sure you Nobody can probably even see the difference, but uh, they they have done that, and they are aware that it needs some work. So it's not flawless. It's actually, I think you get so used to finding stuff a certain way, and that's how I felt about the old network. Like I knew exactly where to go yeah. to get whatever I needed, and now it's in a different place, or it's not even in a place. You have to just search for it. And it can get very maddening. So if you're having problems with the WWE Network, you're not you're not alone. But I was able to watch this uh, pay-per-view. It wasn't a pay-per-view. It was a taped event from 1995 at the ECW Arena. And it actually wasn't added to the network until July of this year. So that thing they did a couple years ago where they had the whole panel... And they were just bragging about everything from ECW is now available on the network. That was bullshit. Yeah. And it still is because there's still a couple things missing from the network, which I've talked to Michael Vincent about. But so there's still some things not available on the network from all the promotions, really. So uh, but them doing that whole celebration of ECW and having everything uh, is bullshit. This event known for one big debut which was kind of, uh, I think, underutilized. Um, but it may have been taped in advance. I'll talk about that towards the end of the show. So the show opens. There's no music. It's cut out. I'm sure I'm sure they use Coolio's Gangsta's Paradise because that song <laughs> came out a month before uh, this event. And so it, it ties in with that, and it ties in with the Gangsta's, who is New Jack and Mustafa. By the way, Mustafa would not be on this event. Really? It wasn't explained why, but Too Cold Scorpio ended up replacing him uh, in the main event. So, not e- 
it was more gangsta paradise, not gangsta's paradise. But uh, so this opening, I'm sure, had the Coolio song on it. WWE not going to pay Coolio in 2019 for their song, so it's cut out. And we start out with oh, a jobber match, jobber v jobber, as it's the Broad Street Bully taking on Bull Pain. I have no idea who these people are. We'll do a quick bio on Bull Pain. Bull Payne's real name, Frank Vizzy. Frank Vizzy debuted in 1984. He was a jobber in the WWF in the late 80s. He came over to ECW in 95. Stayed there as a jobber, mainly. Went to WCW as a jobber. (laughs) And, um... Yeah. Lifetime of jobbing. Pin me, pay me. That is... So that is Frank Vizzy, Bull Payne. Jobber amongst jobbers. He's the jobber squad. The Broad Street Bully, his real name is Tony Mateo. He debuted in 1985. After 95, he pretty much retired from wrestling. You'll like this, Patrick. He started working in supply distribution for Methodist Hospital. Oh, wow. Yes, after he got out of ECW. But he did come back to wrestling... He wrestled in Philadelphia at some local shows and then retired in 2002 due to some nagging injuries. But he did return in 2009 and uh, for a reunion show. So just a, a guy that basically a local Philadelphia wrestler. Broad Street Bully's gimmick here in ECW had to be some sort of uh, poking fun at the goon because he was a hockey. He yeah. was a hockey gimmick here. He had his Philadelphia Flyers jersey on. He had hockey pads for gloves. He had a hockey stick. So he was a play on WW. He was a play on WWF's The Goon. The Broad Street Bully throws off his hockey gloves though and lands some strikes before grabbing his hockey stick and hitting Bull Payne with it. Payne responds with a chair shot to the head, rams Bully's head into a chair in the crowd which was always fun when the crowd got to bring weapons to shows. Payne suplexes Bully through the timekeeper's table, which barely breaks, table number one of the night, as this show could have really been called Table Breaking Heaven, is really what tonight's theme was, is just broken tables. Every match, I think, just about had a broken table. Payne DDTs Bully through the broken table. Joey Styles, by the way, no help tonight, calling this whole thing by himself. Payne power slams Bully for the first near fall. Then Payne clotheslines Bully from the apron onto the concrete floor. We don't use those pussy-ass mats. And then follows it with a clothesline into the guardrail. Bully hits Payne with a couple of chair shots. Then Payne picks up Bully, drops him across the guardrail. At first, it looked like he was going to pile drive him on the concrete, so the crowd was a little disappointed when he just gently sat him on the guardrail. Bully then smashes a soda in Payne's face and low blows him. But then the crowd has had enough of this bullshit match. And they shout, you both suck dick, over and over again. Payne superplexes Bully, but then throws him out of the ring to booze because they wanted the match to be over. And then a young Randy Orton must have been watching as Payne hits a draping DDT off the top rope. And Bull Payne beats Broad Street Bully to a rather limited reaction. This opening match took eight minutes 12 seconds. Sounds like shit. It was. Not a hot match to start the crowd with, especially when they had a match later that I definitely would have put on first. This is the worst way to start an event. 
and that you're putting on tape. Yeah. You're going to try and sell tapes of this. I understand this is a dark match. Sure, whatever. S- see what these guys got. But why not give some of the other matches... You gave this match eight minutes, give all the other matches two minutes extra. Because this was, was awful. The Dudley family is out next, but this was before Patrick, Bubba, Devon, and Spike. So this is the original uh, Dudley clan here. The uh, the pre-Dudley... the uh, Our Dudley boys were not part of this Dudley boys. So who were the, the pre-Dudley boys? It was Big Dick Dudley who had a huge leg brace on. He had a legit leg injury, so he wasn't going to be doing anything. Joey Styles blamed this cast on a run-in with a garbage truck, which, knowing how some of the performers in ECW lived, I actually might believe this, that he fell in the front of a garbage truck and got run over. So, for the Dudley family, we have Chubby Dudley, Big Dick, as I mentioned, and Sign Guy Dudley. But the wrestling Dudleys tonight will be Dances with Dudley, the Native American Dudley, and Dudley Dudley, who apparently looked like a serial killer. I don't know exactly what his gimmick was, but he just, he was stoic. He he had no expression on his face. And they are taking on, boy, the competition here is tough, Patrick. They're taking on Chad Austin, no relation to Stone Cold Steve Austin, and Donnie Allen. Donnie Allen. So... Buckle up, guys. Where do I know Donnie Allen from? Well, Don, Well, it's actually Don E. Allen. And he doesn't have a Wikipedia page, so I can't tell you anything about it. I know it. his name from somewhere, though, with wrestling. Don E. Allen, another basically local Philadelphia wrestler. Don E. Allen worked at ECW until the beginning of 96, then he had one more match in 98, and then basically worked local Philadelphia promotions until 2011. So he had a long career, but... Uh, has not had a match since June of 2011. So, no WCW, WWF run-ins in his career that I'm aware of. He was probably jobber B at some point. So, out of this Dudley's group, the Dudley boys tonight will be Dances with Dudley and Dudley Dudley. Dances with Dudley starts with Austin. Austin, oh, Patrick, fashion watch here. This guy is wearing red trunks, like a Speedo, over black tights. Oh. It was bad. It almost looked like he had chaps on, but it was just an awful look. Dances with Dudley, power slams down for a near fall. Then Dudley Dudley starts beating Austin with a chair while the match continues. Dudley Dudley then suplexes Austin through the timekeeper's table, so another table dies. Dudley Dudley tags in, hits a splash to Allen, and wins the match. This match took all of 4 minutes and 16 seconds, so another, another hot match. And it's followed by yet another hot match as... J.T. Smith, which I believe we have seen a match of his on here before. We have. J.T. Smith's gimmick is that he's really fit, he looks awesome, but he botches. That is his gimmick. Yes. A terrible gimmick. It's like Titus O'Neil, basically, but in 1995. He's a member of the full-blooded Italians, but the joke is that he's black. Get it? So, that is J.T. Smith here. He's taking on... Hack Myers, so another guy that we saw. It might have been the same match we saw on that episode of Hardcore TV. J.T. Smith stirs up the crowd by calling them Paisanos. 
And JT's gear kind of looks like Ken Shamrock's because he's got MMA gloves and a red Speedo. And so Ken Shamrock might have been like, hey, man, that's a good look. I think I'll use that. And here is where things get strange on this network presentation. And I was debating with you before we started recording whether this was ECW or WWE making edits. Because what I think happened is that these are actually ECW edits because... A two-hour VHS is probably cheaper than a three-hour VHS. Special runs a little under two hours. So, I think they spent less money on cheaper videotapes and just edited around matches. So this match is cut to shit. There's a nasty edit right in the middle of the match, and we jump ahead where JT misses a tope to hack Myers. Then we edit again, and we're brawling through the bleachers somehow. Myers brings JT back into the ring, back body drops him, another edit, and now JT is on the second rope with Hack on the mat. He climbs to the top rope, and Patrick, his gimmick, comes through again. He slips and goes through a table because he is such a shitty wrestler. He's a klutz. He's a klutz, and he falls through a table, which the crowd bit this, though, and said, you fucked up, when in fact... There's no chance that a wrestler would just happen to fall through a table. It's just, oh, I'm glad this table was here to break my fall. And Patrick, and Patrick, ECW got real extreme and counted JT out. A count out. That's right. They fought through the crowd earlier and it was fine. But now that's a count out. Which means they wanted that shit over. Yes, this went ten minutes and was awful. So, this is where I would say the good portion of the card starts, but, of course, we're done in by editing again in the next match. Joey Styles recaps the Steiners. That's right. They stopped in ECW on their way back to WCW uh, and Nitro. This is around the time Nitro was getting started. Uh, so, we have uh, a big shift in wrestling taking place in September of 95 and in 2019, October. Big shift in wrestling. So, almost around the same time. Joey Styles recaps the Steiners joining up with who else? Taz. They have so much in common. They they throw suplexes. And they're going to take on the Eliminators and Two Cold Scorpio and Jason, the world's sexiest man. So it's a four-on-three six-man tag. So it's actually a seven-man tag. Seven-man tag. Scorpio cheap shots Taz and they all start brawling. But then here come the edits, Patrick. White Flash. Scott's taking out Saturn and Cronus. White Flash. Leg drop from Cronus. White Flash. Rick hits a Steiner line, tags in Scott. White Flash. Scott comes in and dumps Jason out of the ring where Taz clotheslines him. Scott hits a wedgie plex to Jason, which looked like it sucked as he gave him a wedgie and suplexed him. We get a White Flash again, and we get a belly-to-belly to Perry Saturn from Scott Steiner. Rick comes in, hits a super belly-to-belly on Perry Saturn, but the pin gets broken up. White Flash again, another edit. Everyone starts brawling, but Taz ends up with ground and pound on Jason, the world's sexiest man. But Taz, who came into the match with a hurt neck, hurts his neck some more. Scorpio sees this and kicks Taz in the back of the neck and rolls Jason over Taz. So Taz got beat by Jason, the world's sexiest man. This happened. 
And the Steiners brawl after the bell, but the damage is done. Taz was defeated by Jason in 20 minutes, which was cut down to about three on the network. This match looked like it was awesome. I would have loved to have actually seen it. Um, I love the Steiner brothers. They're dangerous. They're perfect for ECW. They are. They just don't give a fuck. They're they're Mike Awesome. They are. Yeah. And uh, would have loved to have seen this. Uh, Saw clips of it. And uh, the clips look great. So I might actually go seek this one out on YouTube or somewhere if someone actually has the full 20 minutes. But here on the network, it was just not meant to be. So the Steiners wouldn't be sticking around very long. They were back in WCW to get their ass kicked by the NWO. They were probably off that their match got clipped down to shit, so they left. (laughs) Yeah, they bought the videotape because, I mean... Paul wouldn't just give you a videotape. And, uh, yeah, they probably... Scott Steiner threw a fit, broke the tape, went to WCW. Crack. Okay, so now we get some matches that actually aren't edited. Holy shit. Raven and Beulah McGillicuddy are out. They're going to take on the Pitbulls. Raven and Stevie Richards are the ECW tag champs, but Stevie Richards is missing. And uh, nowhere to be found. Beulah says that he's got a hurt hand or something. He has a broken arm and won't be in the match. Even though Joey Styles says, well, I saw him backstage earlier. So since it's the Pitbulls versus Raven by himself, she wants this dog collar match to be a two out of three falls match. As if that would help Raven at all. It's two on one. Yeah, that's not going to help. Yeah, and it's a dog collar match. But you know what makes even less sense, though, is that Pitbull Gary, they could have had a two-on-one advantage, just stomp the shit out of Raven, pin him twice, go home. Yeah. Pitbull Gary goes to find Stevie, thus lowering the odds of them winning this match. So Pitbull Gary goes looking for Stevie. Pitbull 2 takes the collar. By the way, this dog collar match, not like an NWA dog collar match where the chain isn't that long. This chain, you could have wrapped it around the ECW arena. Plenty (laughs) of slack here. Pitbull 2 just chokes Raven with the chain over the ropes. Dex Raven with the chain, then a chair shot. Pitbull Gary, surprise, he found Stevie, who's already bleeding. It would have been nice to see it, how that happened, but we don't have enough cameras. He brings him to the ring. Pitbull 2 brings a table into the ring, and Raven pile drives him through the table and gets the first fall, so Raven actually overcomes the odds against the the faces who he was outnumbered by and gets the first fall. Raven and Richards in DDT Pitbull Gary, but Pitbull 2 breaks up the pin. Richards super kicks Gary for a near fall. Pitbull 2 brings in another table to the ring. Yeah, Pitbull 2 super bombs Richard through the table, and we get the second fall in the match, so it's all evened up. Then ECW shows us a replay of the two falls, which we just saw happen, so I don't know why they did this. But then Pitbull, Gary, and Richards brawl into the first row. Raven and Pitbull 2 brawl in the aisleway. They make it back to the ring. Pitbull 2 gets another table. Jim Milano takes a bump, so the ref is down. The Dudleys then... Dances with Dudley and Dudley Dudley come in and help beat down the Pitbulls. Man, the Dudleys interfere in every match. A a tradition unlike any other in ECW. They just can't help themselves. They come down, beat the Pitbulls down. Dudley Dudley breaks the table as he tries to do a dive off of it. So this dumbass doesn't realize the table can't contain his weight. And so he breaks it as he jumps onto Pitbull 2. They hand Richards and Raven the Pitbulls for super bombs who the Pitbulls then no-sell the Super Bombs. They stand right up after Super Power Bombs. 
because they're tough like that. They double DDT all four heels, the Dudleys and Raven and Richards, and then Pitbull 2 super bombs Dudley Dudley, Pitbull Gary super bombs DW Dudley, then Pitbull 2 gets another table, super bombs Raven, but oh, this had to suck for Raven because Raven didn't go through the table, his neck went against the side of the table. Ouch. And Raven kicks out at two. Pitbull 2 says, fuck it, gets another table. Raven then pulls out the chloroform, which they call Ether, and Ether's Pitbull 2 leg drops him through a table that was stacked on another outside. It barely breaks, so Raven just dives through the second one, and Pitbull 2 is out. Pitbull Gary crotches Stevie Richards, suplexes him through a table, but Raven stops the pin. As he unhooked himself from Pitbull 2, he just he, he could have done that the whole match, but he decided now, I don't want to be in this dog collar. Beulah and Richard's ex-girlfriend get into a cat fight, and Raven DDTs the mystery woman. Pitbull 2 then gets stretchered away. Tommy Dreamer, who hates Raven, comes into the ring as we need more interference. He chains himself to Raven, starts brawling with him, DDTs Raven, pins him, the ref counts... So the new tag team champions are what exactly? The Pitbulls or Tommy Dreamer and Pitbull Gary? We don't know. They're about to be announced and then Dirty Ref Bill Alfonso, the Pennsylvania State Athletic appointed ref, comes into the ring to get into Dreamer's face. Alfonso says, hey, I didn't allow Dreamer to be in this match. And he disallowed the pin. The pin never happened. He says the match can't go on without Pitbull 2. Then Todd Gordon gets in his face, restarts the match anyway, but then Fonzie says, you know what, I'm reinstating the choke slam because Big Dick Dudley comes in even though he was on a broken leg and choke slams Dreamer. And Fonzie says, choke slams are legal again here in ECW, which was a bad move on Fonzie's part because the guy that does choke slams, 911, just happened to be listening to this and walks to the ring. The crowd goes absolutely fucking nuts for 911 as ECW knows how to book limited wrestlers better than anybody else. What does Psycho Sid do well? Powerbomb people. What does he need to do? Throw a powerbomb. 911, he's good at choke slams. What does he do? Choke slam somebody that the crowd wants to see choke slammed. So 911 choke slams Fonzie. The crowd goes fucking nuts. They even get ECW chance for a choke slam. Pitbull 2 then returns from the back. Amazing, he's fine. Everything's fine with <laughs> Pitbull 2. He super bombs Raven and Richards as they stack Richards on Raven's shoulders. So he pitbulls two people at once. And Pitbull 2 gets the cover, and the Pitbulls are the new champions of ECW. So an awesome finish to the matches. They actually, for once, I'll give ECW credit, they ended on the highest spot possible, which is having a guy powerbomb two guys stacked on each other. That was pretty, a super bomb, by the way. Pretty incredible. So they knew when to actually stop the match. (laughs) So despite stopping it in the middle. But it was... This match was actually booked to perfection for what that ECW crowd wanted. They they love fucking interference. It sounds entertaining. Yeah, they love interference. They love nine one one giving giving a choke slam. They hate authority figures. They love Todd Gordon and Paul Heyman. So anytime they come to the ring to save the day, the crowd just ate this up. This was the as loud as the crowd got all night. So probably should have went on last. 
Especially with the title change, but again, this is ECW. Things just don't make sense sometimes. So, are you saying match of the night? I actually liked a match better than this one that, that came afterwards, but for an ECW fan, I think they would pick this as match of the night. The Pitbulls pose for pictures after the match. Then we get my match of the night, personally. Rey Mysterio, 19-year-old Rey Mysterio, taking on Psychosis, 22-year-old Psychosis, making their U.S. TV slash tape debut here. This is a really good match, because I have seen this match. Yes, this is on the Rise and Fall DVD. This is on all sorts of stuff. Ray and Psychosis have some lucha exchanges. Ray sends Psychosis out of the ring with an arm drag. Psychosis power bombs Ray when he comes back into the ring. Some asshole in the crowd calls Ray a Power Ranger. Fuck that guy. I bet he feels like an asshole now if he's still alive. Psychosis drives Ray, sternum first into the buckle, snake eyes Ray, then drop kicks him and hits a spinning slam and a leg drop. Then Psychosis hits a split-legged splash to Mysterio in the corner, misses a second one, but Mysterio hits a springboard Hurricane Rana for a near fall. Then we get a cartwheel onto Psychosis' shoulders for a Hurricane Rana, then a flying head scissors before they get into a chop battle. Mysterio misses a splash and ends up in the buckles. Psychosis goes for the guillotine leg drop, gets it, but only gets a near fall. Another power bomb from Psychosis for a two-count. He tries a suicide dive, but Mysterio throws a chair into his face, which gets ECW chance, and the ECW crowd had finally turned the corner on this match. Psychosis drop kicks Ray's legs out from under him. He hits a corkscrew senton for a two count to Ray. Then Psychosis misses a running knee, goes flying into the second row, and then this is when Ray hits a springboard plancha out into the second row and nails Psychosis. They come back to the ring. He hits Psychosis with a top rope Hurricane Rana, which Joey Styles calls a Frankensteiner, and wins the match. So there you go. Rey Mysterio and Psychosis uh, winning over this hardcore ECW crowd with their Lucha Libre, which ECW fans were hardcore tape traders. They were aware of these guys anyway, most of them. But the ones that weren't, I think, were sold. And Rey and Psychosis definitely got the attention of Eric Bischoff, as these guys would go on to make a lot more money for WCW, and the best part of Monday Nitro for a long time were, were cruiserweight matches, so, and the best part of their pay-per-views, really. Yeah, I was going to say, some of their best matches alone were luchador matches, and this match in particular is just, it's iconic. It really is one of the best things you could ever watch. Joey says there's a problem in the locker room. Let's go back and see what's going on. Oh, the feed cut out. Joey says, oh, there's a there's a fan camera back there. Let's go see what it sees. It cuts out. Of course, ECW, no camera budget. I, these were worked camera cuts, though. So Joey says, fuck it. I'll take the camera. Just follow me. So Joey goes to the locker room where, amazingly, Public Enemy and New Jack and Too Cold Scorpio are still just arguing. They've been arguing this whole time. They've never come to blows. They're just arguing. And so as Joey approaches its argument, out from the background pops Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh-oh. Doing his Hulk Hogan impression, the Stevester is here, and Steve-a-mania is running wild in ECW. Now, why did they not put Steve Austin out in front of this crowd to do a run-in? 
or to do that promo or oh hit the hit the damn uh stun gun oh hit stun gun with a hug and leg drop and just have him do the steepster thing on a microphone oh shit but they put him backstage so i think this might have been taped i don't think he actually was in the building that night or something so but then austin says he's not gonna do this shit and he rips off all the hogan steepster shit and he just walks off. And then Joey Styles just mugs for the camera like, Oh my gosh, it's Steve Austin. But this was big news for them because he had just quit WCW right before Nitro started. So this was his debut. And uh, You better get a fight to know it now. What's going on? We've got people going on. We've got a, we've got a fight going on. Steve Austin doesn't have what it takes to get it done in the ECW, brother. I was never allowed to reach past mid-court status in the WCW, brother. So you know what, dude? I looked at the greatest heavyweight champion of all time, brother, and I knew that I had to save my friends. I had to take the vitamins. Brother, I had to start training again. I had to get my mind right to do what it takes to get it done in the ECW, dude. And let me tell you something. I've been saying my CW brother, Steve, Steve Omania, I'm taking the vitamins, I'm saying my fist, I'm not gonna do this anywhere, not even in ECW, because there's no way this lame man is gonna get the job done anywhere. Anywhere. Would only work a, a match or two in ECW before getting the call to New York. So cage match next. The main event of the night, as Public Enemy has recruited Mikey Whipwreck, and they made him dress in Public Enemy gear. <laughs> so he's got dreads and the hockey shit. Yes, wave your hands in the air like you just don't care. No, 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 no. Yeah, uh, they pose for pictures for the magazines and then Sandman okay so his entrance his music is cut they're not going to pay Metallica I had to fast forward through his entrance because this was a Sandman entrance he comes out with Nancy Sullivan and then this asshole gets on the top of the cage and just drinks beer like not Stone Cold Steve Austin style like just guzzling beer no he's just like drinking beer casually like yeah so Two Cold Scorpio uh, pairs with New Jack here, and so it's the three of them taking on Public Enemy with Mikey Whipwreck. So they stall. They stall with Sandman's entrance, and then the ring announcer introduces everybody. Rocco grabs the mic to demand that Nancy Sullivan not be on the cage. He says that baggy ass, I think he called her or something like that, don't be on the cage. And he got his way, because she didn't interfere in this match, really, at all. So, so much stalling, I fast-forwarded again. <laughs> Finally, the match begins. Rocco drops an axe handle on Sandman and then brawls with Scorpio. Now, what's the point of a cage match, Patrick? To keep people in, and then to keep people out from getting in. So, in ECW, immediately, that means that Johnny Grunge and New Jack walk right out of the cage. They didn't stay in there for... 
10 seconds after the match started. Really? They, they were just gone. They wanted to go fight in the crowd. They, they had no time for this cage bullshit. So, they leave. Grunge decks New Jack with a chair. They brawl through the crowd. They go to that platform, that infamous platform in the ECW arena, right below where the commentators would sit, and Grunge drops an elbow on him. New Jack returns the favor. New Jack misses a headbutt to Johnny Grunge. Rocco Rockton, I was I was shocked he could do this. Rocco Rock, Hurricane Rana, Sandman, off of the buckles for a near fall. He hits a Frankensteiner. Sandman then beats on Whipwreck for a while. Johnny Grunge chokes New Jack with some camera cables. Sandman drops a table on Whipwreck. Cause yeah, that's another thing. Now that the door is open, tables are just coming in. I one of them came in. I swear by itself. So Sandman drops a table on Whipwreck twice. As Sandman had no interest in setting them up, just throwing them on people. Scorpio super kicks Whipwreck and super kicks Rocco Rock. Sandman drops a table over them after they get super kicked. Grunge and New Jack finally make their way back to the cage. Another table. This is the one that magically just shows up in the ring. I don't know who put it in there. But another table gets shoved in the ring. Rocco delivers frying pan shots. I don't know where they came from either. Frying pan shots get hit to Sandman. And then he flings Sandman out of the ring. Scorpio delivers a brain buster to poor Mikey Whipwreck. Then New Jack and Sandman both leave the cage again. The public enemy stack three tables in the ring, which were almost taller than the cage itself. Then Rocco Rock takes Too Cold Scorpio to the top of the cage. And I was really concerned about Rocco Rock here because this man had zero bounds. He thought JT was bad earlier. I was like, this guy is just going to plummet here. Now, Scorpio was fine. I had no doubt Scorpio was going to be able to do whatever they had planned. But... This looked so bad because they're up there. It looks like they're going to suplex. It looks like Scorpio might suplex Rocco Rock. It looks like Rocco Rock might actually belly to back Scorpio through these three tables. So what do they end up doing? They just sort of dive through the tables. And when I say they went through three tables, it was more like two and a half. I don't think they quite got through the third one. Sandman then, of course, comes in and says, No, the match doesn't end here. And he drops a table to break up the pinfall attempt. So, ECW, there's they never let me down, Patrick. They never know... Never know when to stop. Yes. And end it. So, Public Enemy lifts Sandman up for a suplex, and Whipwreck hits a crossbody. It was a really cool spot. Then Mikey hits a Hurricane Ron at a Sandman off the cage for a near fall. Whipwreck hits a splash and pins Sandman, who at the time was the ECW world champion. So Mikey Whipwreck, of all people, gets the pinfall here. And then the six men brawl to end the show as Sandman has his stunned look on as he was pinned by the shithead Mikey Whipwreck. So what? This match took 15.08 and... It sounds pretty cool. It's a fine match. The table spot was ambitious. I, I expected more from it, though. When you see people stacking three tables, I I just expect something wild. Right. And it wasn't that wild. It was it, it was cool for the time, I guess. Uh, the ECW arena ate it up. And, and this is before, again, this is before Hell in a Cell 98. So it's not like <laughs> we've seen the most insane dives yet. I mean, they've seen a lot of New Jack dives, though. So, you know, you put it all into perspective, it wasn't that great. But the crowd, the Philly crowd loved Public Enemy. Public Enemy, uh, probably one of the more underrated uh, aspects of ECW. Probably 
really in the rise and fall of ECW DVD. I mean, that's the first act that Paul Heyman brings up is uh, the Public Enemy, and that from Eastern to ECW, it was Public Enemy being white guys doing a rapper gimmick that hey worked out pretty well for John Cena later on in life. But um, Public Enemy, I think, are one of the most underrated tag team of all time. Yeah, I, well, I think for garbage brawlers, they were really good. And, I mean, you saw Rock a Rock, too, like a Frankenstein. Or, like, they were capable of doing good moves. It's just they were so handcuffed when they got to WCW. And yeah. WWF, they never even had a chance. So, um, I think that's what hurt their legacy overall. And But at the same time, had they stayed in ECW... Yeah, it might have been better long-term had they stayed in ECW because they could have been brought in around the time the Dudley Boys were. Who The Dudley Boys do their gimmick, tables, from WCW. And that's what I always... When I first was introduced to Dudley Boys in WWF, I was like, they're just doing Public Enemy. Right. Without the rapping part. Right. They took New Jack with the attire, and they took Public Enemy's gimmick with the table mixed them and that's that's the Dudleys yeah so I think it if they had just stayed in ECW until ECW folded it might have been better for them unfortunately yeah. both of these guys when you wrestle this style though you're not gonna live long and sadly they both died very very young this card overall the first three matches could have been cut completely I know that the Dudleys match only took four minutes but it could have been cut completely. <laughs> Forget Bullpain and the Broad Street Bully. They can go fuck themselves. <laughs> and J.T. Smith and Hack Myers, even though there were some edits, thank God, in that match, it could have, the best edit would have been to cut it completely. And give me the whole Steiner Brothers match. I wanted that. 20 minutes, it was actually the longest match of the night. Didn't get to see much of any of it. So, really upset with that. But the final three matches on here are good. And two of them have been featured on other DVDs. So, like you said, you've seen the Rey Mysterio and Psychosis match and stuff. The Pitbulls match was actually on the rise and fall of ECW. So, that match was on there. The main event, the Gangsta's Paradise Cage match, it it was okay. There wasn't anything special. Like, same complaint I had about Heat Wave 2000 is that ECW itself is a gimmick. Yeah. No rules. So when you bring in another gimmick on top of it, like at Heatwave 2000, they tried to have barbed wire on top of a ladder. Okay, well you've got to you've got to really up it here because you could just do that anyway. Yeah. So you bring in this cage. Okay, you got to really up it here, and they did one semi big spot off of it, and that was it. And the cage didn't really play a factor. So. It's kind of that's kind of the the only bad thing about ECW's rule structure. Uh, no rules is that gimmick matches are out. Basically, you can have stipulations like two out of three falls or those um, three way dance matches, which I actually liked, where one guy's eliminated and stuff. Yeah, you can toy around with that, but as far as anything else, it's like you better come in with something big. Yeah, because you can just do it anyway. Right. And like you said, like the one time like that that barbed wire match with Sabu, that one upped the normal level of violence that you get. And so, if you're not doing that, why even bother with the cage? Yeah, Terry Funk and Sabu, that match still sticks out in my mind for as graphic as it was. And 
I learned I earned so much respect for Sabu in that match as well. So on a rating scale, since you didn't get to watch this, I'm going to give this a Raven. From listening to it, I'm going to go with you and give it a Raven. All right, double Raven. So, uh, happy birthday to you. Oh, thank you. Yes. Your birthday was yesterday. So this is your birthday pick. Where are we going, sir? It's my pick this week, and a lot of moving and shaking in the world of pro wrestling is about to happen in October. You have SmackDown going to network TV, where it actually debuted 20 years ago. In fact, the first episode on Fox will be a 20th celebration. A 20-year celebration, even though it actually debuted in April. So in honor of that, we will go back to the first ever WWF SmackDown, which was... An experiment, because it wasn't a weekly show at first. It was a one-night special. WWF SmackDown, April 29th, 1999, on the UPN, RIP, as uh, no longer exists, now known as the CW. I did love me some UPN. Yeah, and this was a rare SmackDown called by JR and The King were the uh, commentary wow. team. So, yeah, because they didn't have all that figured out yet. Yeah, They didn't know if it was going to get picked up for sure or not. So there you go. From New Haven, Connecticut. So in their own backyard, they ran the first SmackDown. So we will check that out. Hopefully you can get the network to to work for you. I hope. If, if you I don't, can't. then uh, we'll figure it out. Yeah. We can figure it out. We could always go to powerslam.tv and watch something there. As you can get a month for free if you use the promo code RETROWRESTLING. And even if you don't uh, want a free month, if you want to stay with it, it's only $5.99 a month. And there's over 7,000 hours of content on there. So if you can't get enough wrestling as it is, as we head until October, where there's going to be wrestling every day of the week... You can go to powerslam.tv. I have a recommendation on Powerslam. And what's that, Patrick? You should watch The Roast of Jim Cornette. It is on Powerslam. It is hilarious and very entertaining with with, uh, Sugar Shane Helms as being the uh, MC of The Roast. So definitely check it out. uh, It was very entertaining. I really enjoyed it a lot. Well, that'll do it for this week. I'm intern Alex. I'm the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying, as always, my clothesline's a clothesline. And bingo, bingo. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only 5 $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv.